Welcome to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast for anyone looking to stop letting life get in the way and start crushing bold goals. I'm your host, Sarah Mayer, and I'm thrilled to navigate this journey with you because it's time to start boldly achieving without working double time. So let's dive in. Hello, Bold Goal Crushers. I am super excited about my guest today. Stefan Neff has had more than his fair share of trauma in his life. He has tried to drown PTSD, depression, and anxiety in industrial doses of vodka, but had to learn the hard way that those critters can swim. And nowadays, he lives a very different life where self-love, humility, integrity, and transparency actually mean something. And he hosts the show, My Steps to Sobriety, and has just released the second edition of his book under the same name. I am so excited to have you on the show today and to discuss your journey from where you came from to what you are doing now, setting and crushing your goals. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me on your show. It's an honor. Uh, come on. I'm, yeah, it is exciting. It's exciting to be with someone who wants this make who wants to make this world a better place. And we are sort of alike in our missions. And that's beautiful. So if you yes. all join forces. Who knows? Maybe we can make this world a little bit better. One interview at a time. Yes, I love it. So tell me a little bit about your journey. You've been through a journey. So how did you get to where you are now? What happened and how did you get to where you are today? <laughs> I give you the abbreviated version um, because after all, it's it's more or less a lifetime of trauma. Yeah. But in a nutshell, I was born in uh, 1966, and in my formative years in the 80s, I didn't really have uh, many, many good mo uh, role models. I was living on the wrong side of the tracks. I was brought up with a set of core values that are probably not so uh, valuable, <laughs> rather more the kind of a man must be successful and a man must be a man this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was the time of the anti-heroes. Um, so Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon and Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Um, and since I didn't have good role models, I thought, yeah, that's how a, how a man must look like. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, there you go. You already get the idea. Well, okay. Yeah. These core values were a bit uh, to decide uh, for. Now, yeah. Um, the problem is that that uh, your core values are only one thing, and then trauma happens. And in my case, it was a gang assault, and I ended up uh, with uh, being quite beaten up, and then uh, developing a nasty PTSD. Mm. Well, the beaten up that was clear to me. The PTSD was not clear to me. That only really I realized that more or less three four years ago the impact that it had throughout my whole life. Mm -hmm. But I was becoming a very, very focused, very hyper-vigilant man, uh, mm -hmm. a man who was constantly on on the go. I trained very hard in martial arts and became kind of Rambo, really. Mm -hmm. And I, it suited me. That was my, my survival instinct that kicked in big time. Um, I 
brought the gang leader behind bars, he threatened to kill me, and in turn, yeah, there was quite a real threat to my life. So I ticked pretty much all the boxes what you need for PTSD, but in those times, no one cared, no one yeah. knew much about it, and therefore there it was. So I lived in darkness for five years, then I went to university, I realized a few things. A, this guy will never find me. Okay, let's let's forget that. So I, I realized I can relax just a little bit. And then alcohol and girls came along. And suddenly, life became good. Because <laughs> when you drink alcohol, you can finally go, ah. Mm -hmm. And a new me came out. A new me that was not shy, that was, that was out there, that was the soul of the party. The, uh, it was... It was a good, good me. I liked that dude. And it was beautiful. And the alcohol allowed me to decompress. And mm -hmm. it became my best friend. Unfortunately, it's, it's a friend that will sooner or later betray you. And mm -hmm. the same happened with me. Because I had never learned to deal with my negative emotions. Uh, I thought I live by these core values that I had created myself which means I became a workaholic. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a time when you worked hard and when you played hard. Well, let's call it. So I became an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Didn't give it words, but that was my life. Either working, 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 and then after 16 hours, when you couldn't work anymore, then two, three, four glasses of wine, and suddenly I had a second, second wind, the second, hey, cool, let's clean up the garage. It's one o'clock in the morning. Who cares what does <laughs> tomorrow bring? <laughs> let's go do, do something. And yeah, well, again, I burned a candle on both ends and in the middle, and it, yeah, it didn't didn't work. And but it took very, very long time. It took a very long time for me to finally come to a point where it was clear that I can't continue like that. Mm -hmm. And luckily, it was it was clearer to my wife than it was for me. She had stopped drinking. She herself enjoyed very much the same kind of life that I yeah. had, workaholic, alcoholic. But with the help of Jesus Christ, she found uh, sort of peace and uh, got, got sober and became, as always, you sort of swing the pendulum the other way. She became very anti-drinking. And you can imagine that for three years, we had row after row after row. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and on the basis of having row after row after row, because we never talked about our emotions. We never, we never really, we had, we were, we were both wounded animals. They were just biting at each other. We had no idea. And I don't know why we are still married. It's a <laughs> blessing for me now, but I cannot explain it. And I cannot, I don't know why. But luckily, eight years ago, um, I was so down and out, so distraught, so at the end, um, I was no longer a high-functioning alcoholic. Mm -hmm. um, someone being defined as you keep your job, you don't run into the problems with police or law yeah. enforcement, etc. Um, I was no longer high-functioning. I was just barely-functioning alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Behind my back, my wife organized an admission uh, to a rehabilitation hospital. And that was the best thing that's ever happened to me. That was the, when I finally was forced to stop. Mm -hmm. Stop escaping my reality. Stop running away from 
what was eating me on the inside and actually facing my demons. Mm -hmm. That was the, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. After marrying my wife, of course. <laughs> so. Okay, darling, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you got really lucky in that department. And mm. I'm sure at that moment, you didn't think that was the best thing that ever happened in your life. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> but when I mean, you're in in a life, I've lived a life of, of hypervigilance, which mm. is really good when you're a doctor. Very mm -hmm. few things caught me out in my working life. So I became quite good in what I do. Mm -hmm. And that's brilliant as an anesthetist. Um, but uh, equally, when you are suddenly finding yourself in a new trauma, in a new distress, mm -hmm. you take it on head on. And, yeah. and I, I addressed that. Uh, that was the only way how I could deal with things. So I was either running away from them or, okay, I, I fight you, I attack you. So mm -hmm. I also attacked my rehabilitation. I took it as a challenge. Sure. I need to get sober? Cool. Four weeks? Cool. I get mm -hmm. that sorted. I'd be the best <laughs> sober guy off. ever. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then then somehow it continues. Um, oh, boy. Was I in for a ride? <laughs> let's, say, let's just say it like that. Because trauma happens in layers. And healing happens in layers as well. And so this was an, 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 a crazy time. A Oh, boy. I think the biggest thing, the biggest shock I had was the morning when I, when we sort of, the first time we sat around and sort of uh, you go around the, the table and introduce yourself. And yeah, hi, I'm John. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm a sexaholic. Um, and then suddenly it was my turn. And so my mouth opened and I said, hello, I'm Stefan, I'm an alcoholic. And the moment those words had left my mouth, uh, there was there was just pure confusion. Mm -hmm. There was a, every emotion you could possibly think of happened to me in the next hour. Mm -hmm. um, probably the four, all the stages of, of, of grief, of, of denial, no, resentment, yes, uh, everything mm -hmm. happened. But it was the first time that I had actually said it out loud and that I have taken ownership and that I, that was the start of me healing. Mm -hmm. That was the start of me actually admitting to it. Because what we do as alcoholics, 95% of us will swear on our heart and will believe it that there's nothing wrong with us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the problem. Denial well, is a huge part of the, of the disease. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think I want to go back to one of the points you made because you said that you were you went from functioning to not functioning. And I think that when you're functioning, you're going to work, you're like, well, I'm not like, you know, in the streets. I am successful. I'm doing great things. But that doesn't mean that you didn't have a problem oh, because yeah. of that. Yeah. Hell yes. And, and that is probably the, the vast majority of people that probably are listening here to this, yeah. to our interview. I mean, I, there was not a single self-development book that I had not read. So I was yeah. very much into improving myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, typically reading it with a glass of wine in my hand. Um, did I put those things into action? Hell no, but I read mm -hmm. about them. Um, so I've got all the books at home. But, you know, it was that kind of very weird life. Very schizophrenic, mm -hmm. very, very weird life. Um, mm -hmm. My 
what I thought was one version of me, how I behaved was a very different version of me. Mm -hmm. And to bring them together, that was the challenge. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think you probably were, if I were to guess, not truly yourself. Oh, hell. Uh, well, who was <laughs> I? Yeah. That was that was exactly the point because mm -hmm. I have run away from myself since I was 13. Mm -hmm. I I mean initially I had a life. I was doing all kind of things, uh, the martial arts. I was studying circus arts for for a year. I did all kind of things when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And then life interfered and it was work yeah. work work, drink drink drink. So yeah. by the time I stopped drinking, I did probably a de well two decades of uh of that life. I had no clue who I was. Mm -hmm. I was empty as a man. Yeah. And you ask me, well, who are you? I'm Stefan Neff. I'm a pain physician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Who are you? I told you just, I'm a pain physician. That's yeah. all I could identify with. Mm -hmm. But with hindsight, that was also a blessing. Because yeah. when I then stopped drinking, stopped hiding, stopped running away, and realized, well, I'm empty. Initially, that was quite a shock, but then at the same token, I'm a survivor deep inside. Mm -hmm. And so I actually saw that very soon as an opportunity to reinvent myself. Yeah. And so I started all kind of little things. I, I probably didn't have the greatest relationship with my, with my kids. Um, so I ended up every Saturday morning with my younger son. We started getting up at dawn, uh, going to various various garage sales, trying to find hidden treasures that we maybe Aww. could turn into art or all kind of things. It was, yeah. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to do a welding course, learn how to make, I don't know, things. Turns out I'm a crap artist, and, <laughs> at least in that, that thing. But I gave it a shot. And it was good times with my young son to bond and actually do things. And for me to see a sunrise, mm. you know, I mean, I probably saw many sunrises, but typically through, through the, the bottom of a bottle um, to now live a life that is so opposite. Yeah. That was beautiful. I'm not so sure the could... blessing for him would have been getting up at dawn. I mean, I don't oh, know. Maybe... He, was, uh, he enjoyed it. No, yeah. that's right. Kids don't really like that, but he enjoyed it because yeah. we were we were going out there. We were hunting. We were. Well, he got we his dad of... back. Absolutely. Exactly mm -hmm. right. And mm -hmm. that was an amazing thing. So I could start to think, well, who am I? Or more mm -hmm. importantly, who do I want to be? Truly. Yeah. yeah. And so I tried different things. Some worked out. Some clearly don't. Um, I, the first book I've written was a book about German cheesecakes. Oh. And I'm a doctor. So there you are. So when I when I think, I think very structured, etc. So what I thought of, I write a cookbook. And uh, so the problem, of course, is as a doctor, you put the history in there and then the ingredients, you go into that and then you go into everything. So my cookbook was for half a book, nothing more than the encyclopedia of cheesecakes. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I better put some recipes in there. <laughs> it's awful. It's an awful book. <laughs> but it's still out there because it reminds me of where I have come from, where mm -hmm. I uh, where I was. And it was good times because I cooked the hell out of my, my kitchen. Um, I baked cheesecakes. Ah, oh, it was beautiful. Um, and yeah, so. It but was, I think it was it's fun. also it's also a lesson in things don't have to be perfect. Oh, and yes. they can sometimes be for you. You know, it doesn't need to be out there 
to sell a million copies of your cookbook. If it does, that would probably be great, but it doesn't need to be perfect. And really it was a, it was something for you to really explore and come back into yourself. And I love that. Absolutely. And it was a win. It was, Mm -hmm. wow, I've written a book. Wow. Uh, So that was, remember I was, I was at that time, the evil twins of shame and guilt, they were Mm -hmm. riding me big time. And that was the hardest thing for me to deal with because as an, as an alcoholic and as an addict, um, Mm -hmm. we escape our reality and we walk over the, the corpses of our enemies in order to get to whatever helps us reduce our own pain. Mm-hmm. Let it be alcohol, let it be gambling, let it be sex, let it be uh, eating disorders. All of these things, they mm-hmm. serve the same purpose. They stop the pain, at least for the fraction of a second, or reduce the pain that the individual is suffering from. Mm-hmm. And that is so hard to understand for people who have not lived our part of our lives. Yeah. We have and, not experienced that. And I would venture to say that whether you've taken to alcohol or anything, you mentioned work. A lot of times people do things to escape something else. So they'll work more or they won't go home or they don't want to have that conversation with their spouse about money. So they'll go shopping. Um, so we do things to, <laughs> exactly. and, and I think that's a normal human reaction but when we can really learn to deal with that trauma and that pain and have those conversations a little side story i used to be in hr and people would come to me all the time they'd be like this person did this and this person and the first question i'd say is well have you talked to them or are you only talking about them and 90% of the time they never they never talk to the person exactly and so all these things come about. So I think that that's a natural human response to bury yourself in something else when you are avoiding something painful. Mm-hmm. And remember, let's let's not look at that as a weakness. Mm-hmm. If you think back how we lived 50,000 years ago, we lived in small tribes, maybe 200 people max, and you needed to be part of that tribe. So therefore, the shame is so strongly engrossed in us, because if we were to do things that push us to a point where the tribe throws out, that was a death sentence. Mm -hmm. So therefore, uh, for us to, uh, to try to fit in, to try to not rattle cages, try to not be too aggressive, etc. That is a deeply, deeply ingrained mm-hmm. uh, move. It, that's so deep in our DNA, literally, mm-hmm. um, that it is so hard to deal with, to overcome. Yeah. And we need to understand that many of those, those feelings, those emotions that we go through, the anxiety, um, is all based upon certain things that are hardwired in our DNA. Yeah, and they, these certain things then lead to the core beliefs that we have, which are basically your DNA, and then then whatever is laid down in your early childhood. Mm-hmm. So you're fighting against some mad, huge enemies here, yeah. huge huge demons, and it takes time to pull all that that craziness apart and actually see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the challenge. So here I was in rehab. Okay, one month? Cool. I sort it out in one month. I sort it out in a week. I show you how good I can be. 
yeah, great. I barely scratched the surface in the one month. Mm -hmm. And it was, and I'm still not. I'm still dealing with demons. Yeah. Guess what? New demons are being discovered as we speak. And sometimes new things happen, new trauma happens. Um, and there was really, I mean, 2020, it started crazy. And then it got worse with 2021. And 2022 is not much better. So, you know, these are these are hard times. Yeah. And that comes onto the history of previous trauma. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. I mean, it is what it is, though. Yeah. Nowadays, though, I see the privilege of choice. Mm -hmm. I have got the choice to respond to the trauma that I face or the challenges that I face today. I have got a privilege of choice. Mm -hmm. I can either choose to be upset, and from now on then I am. Yep. If there's someone driving really like a, like a dick in front of me, <laughs> I let rip. I, you know, I let the anger and resentment come out. You, you beep. You, I, I will beep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so that's that's me driving. Um, and that's on a good day. Uh, so that is that is a time where I might accept. Okay, I'll let that out. There might be times there where I want to throw a pity party. While I say, for crying out loud, every six hours, there has been another bloody trauma. I've had it now. You can all mm -hmm. go home. I want to go to my bed. Yep. And I want to eat something yummy and that is probably not so healthy. And watch some whatever stupid dribble on, on television. You all bugger off now. Yeah, And that's and my pity party. I think mm. it's important to let ourselves feel the feelings. Because we're mm. not, we're not, we're not meant to be robots and like, oh, mm. you know. It, Thank you for cutting me off today. No, you know, I mean, like that's not how we're yeah. meant to be, but it's really about feeling the feelings and dealing with them and then Correct. moving on and becoming Correct. resilient. You can't sit there and for like the rest of the year be like, well, that guy in 1992 cut me <laughs> off on the highway and I'm still here mad. That's you know? right. Oh, Sarah, I mean, you're so right. You nailed it, dude. Yeah. You nailed it. Are you looking to get the word out about your product, business, service, or your podcast? Well, as you know, podcasting is a labor of love that does cost time and money to produce, but we do have some exciting sponsorship opportunities for you. And anyone can be a sponsor. We have per episode sponsorships, monthly sponsorships, 45 seconds recorded by you or me and various options. So feel free to check out our sponsorship opportunities. And while you're sponsoring an episode, we will highlight you or your business. Visit sarahmayer.com slash podcast sponsorships for more information. We're looking forward to highlighting you and your business. But that was me. That was me 10 years ago. Ah, look what they have done to me. Now I show them. I will drink two bottles of vodka. Ha ha. That will show them. Ha ha. Mm -hmm. And it's just, ah, you get these weird beliefs. You get mm -hmm. this weird, you just, you justify your own behavior uh, in really strange ways. Yeah. And, but you, you don't see that you do it. It becomes mm -hmm. logic for you. And mm -hmm. so therefore, it is so important that you surround yourself with people who actually 
have been there, done that. Mm -hmm. um, in my rehab, everyone was an addict. Mm -hmm. Everyone sat in those chairs maybe three, four, five years prior. So therefore, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Yeah. They have been there. You can't pull the wool over their eyes. Mm -hmm. And that is where my rehab, where I was so blessed because I, uh, these people understood where I was, the various phases mm -hmm. of, of recovery. And they could hold the mirror in front of my face. They mm -hmm. could help me to see certain things about me. Mm -hmm. Take an example, my resentment. The, uh, resentment and anger were my key responses to everything. Mm -hmm. And so I was very resentful towards a certain organization um, that that I felt betrayed me and my patients. And you could make arguments that this might not be so far from the truth. But um, mm -hmm. I had fought, fought, fought. And this was, I don't know, the perfect enemy to focus on. So my case manager actually said, I'm brilliant. I want you to write a letter towards that, that agency, towards that, that, that uh, institution, mm -hmm. and write down everything that you want to tell them. And I went there, okay, cool, now we're talking. So for a whole night, I wrote and wrote until my fingers bled. Next day, I came with many, many pieces of paper and sat down with her. Come on, let's go through it, let's go through it. And she took the pieces of paper, quickly glanced at them, folded them, put them away, and said, brilliant. And now let's talk about you. And I said, but, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> and I was angry with her. Oh, <laughs> for a few days, I let rip against her. I, oh, I was angry. And, but she actually gave me a book to read, uh, Rise, or Rise Above, it was. Um, I don't think it's anymore in print, but it was written by a woman who married, estranged marriage, uh, and her husband was uh, not sure. And he proceeded to kill her children in front mm. of her with a knife, killed her dad with a knife. And that all happened in the first 10, 15 pages of the book. And wow. I read that. I was physically shocked and thought, how do I compete with that? That was my thought. How do I compete with that? That was my my my, my competition in me. And I had to admit, uh, okay, she wins. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I got out of my own pity party mm -hmm. then because she actually showed me, hang on, maybe you are not the biggest victim ever. Yeah. And maybe the resentment and anger. Let's talk about that rather than what other people have done to you, but rather how you respond here. Mm -hmm. Why is that? And that was that was when the breakthroughs started mm -hmm. to happen. That's when I looked behind my thinking and feeling patterns. Mm -hmm. And that was wow. Yeah. You know, I think that what's really interesting is that a lot of times if you're listening to this, we think in order to help people, we have to be perfect. We have to have everything figured out. We have to, you know, like know the perfect way. And I was listening to Ed Milet on a podcast and he was talking about his dad who went through recovery. And he said he realized that the same people that helped his dad were previously living their worst nightmare and now they are the ones that are helping 
And they are the only ones that could help his dad because they are the only ones that truly could understand. That's true. That's mm -hmm. absolutely true. Because we have lived in the darkness. We mm -hmm. know what depression actually means. Mm -hmm. You have got your own thoughts. How do you want to end your life? The only reason I never ended my life is because I couldn't, I couldn't believably make it look like an accident so mm. that my at least insurances pay out for my for my wife and my children that mm. was the only thing that at, at some stage stopped me mm. um that was that was the extent of my darkness and in my darkness i could never see light mm -hmm. i could never see light it was it was a yeah a very strange time compared it with now mm -hmm. where I can switch on the light. I've got various ways how to switch on the light. So if the darkness knocks again, which it sometimes mm -hmm. does, then I say, oh, hello, darkness, my old friend, mm -hmm. to quote the song. Um, mm -hmm. It is uh, nice to see you. And nowadays I see these emotions as mm -hmm. messengers. And typically it's a message that I have not looked after myself mm. or that maybe just maybe that that against my best attempts life has has heaped so much shit on me mm -hmm. that it is time to just stop and accept okay mm -hmm. darkness you're very justified because right now you have gone through so much crap people died around you and and you know there there was no money and everything okay give in it's okay yeah. to feel like that but nowadays i recognize those feelings for what they are they are yeah. waves of neurochemicals washing over me. And it's mm -hmm. the same as if you swim in the ocean and there's a wave coming. You can get very upset. You wave. Stay away, you wave. I hate <laughs> you, wave. Uh, yet the wave doesn't really care. So, yeah. you know, so therefore you might as well either surf the wave, dive underneath the wave, uh, let yourself be thrown around by the wave. Um, the wave will come, but it mm -hmm. also it, it also will go. And mm -hmm. same with emotions. That's the emotion. The same with stresses, with states. Um, and you have a choice when this wave comes. Yeah, you can you can either surf it or play with it. That's that's what you can. But one way or the other, it's it's what mm -hmm. <laughs> ten minutes. That's a typical kind of emotion that sort of washes over you. Sometimes that's quicker. Sometimes not. So, what if what if you were to learn? to recognize that emotion mm -hmm. early and accept it for what it is. Yeah. Oh, anxiety attack. Hello. Okay. I feel myself breathing. <laughs> okay. Okay. My heart is racing and I mean, everything is, is, oh my God, the world will end to right now. <laughs> okay. That's brilliant. So that's adrenaline. So cool. Hello, adrenaline. So that's fight and flight. Hello, sympathetic nervous system. Okay. I recognize you. Okay, you're a really, really good friend of mine. And, uh, should I walk in front of a car? Or should should I be, again, a victim of an assault? Please, please, I love to see you, Adrenaline. But why yeah. are you coming right now? Yeah. Hmm, okay. And for me, it's it's to halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. H-A-L-T. Mm -hmm. And that is, these are my typical triggers. So if I don't look after myself, if I don't empty my bladder, if I am dehydrated, if I am hungry, if I work too hard, if I don't look after my emotional and spiritual well-being, 
Oh boy, mm. my my body screams out. And it screams out with very weird waves of neurochemicals. And so therefore, next time you you are getting anxious, just say thank you and mm -hmm. experience it. Give yourself five seconds to feel that terror. Actually feel it, stop it, mm -hmm. taste it. And then say, brilliant, hello, nice to see you again. Mm -hmm. But like me, I often get that in my job. Someone says, well, we have got this. And then they tell me a horror story of a case they need to <laughs> anesthetize now. Uh, and you think, oh, my God. And I allow myself to feel that. Mm -hmm. And then I say, thank you very much. But right now, I need to work. Push that to the side and yep. get on with it. And, and that's it's really the beautiful thing. It's really about that awareness and knowing mm. yourself and knowing how to deal with that. And I think, I hope every listener who's listening gets some hope for whatever they're going through, that there is lightness on the other side. And there are people that can help guide you that it doesn't have to, you can reinvent yourself every day if you want, but it really comes down to being your true authentic self and understanding your body and mm. your mind. And I think that's so important that, that you be start this as a journey, but similar to you going into the gym, you don't just mm -hmm. go in the gym once yep. and now you're fit and yeah, I'm, that's me now for the rest of my life. I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. You yeah. need to put in the nutrition. You need to put in the, the work in the gym before you see any noticeable changes there. And it's the same equally. You need to practice your, your coping mm -hmm. mechanisms. You need to uh, practice your emotional awareness. You yeah. need to actually read books or listen to podcasts or even better, talk to people who have been in your mm -hmm. darkness, in your particular version of hell. Mm -hmm. And who are now out the other side and mm -hmm. are are speaking out about it. Yeah. Uh, in my case, it is the, the sobriety. But really, I mean, I wrote my steps to sobriety, which is uh, my book that has been uh, released now in the second edition. Um, guys, check it out. Because if you are, if alcohol or addiction is specifically an, an something that you're struggling with or that a loved one is struggling with, that gives you a pretty good insight and it mm -hmm. gives you uh, um, uh, a humanized version of the 12 steps humanized is maybe the wrong word uh it i i break down the 12 steps into some very manageable kind mm -hmm. of um steps and explain them more in the sense of a failed business more rather yeah. than something god or something whatever no i just see it as you helping a mate who you're both in the same business and his is failing and you are you're really good in your business and yeah. he would say come across and maybe you can help me and the steps that you would go through to help your friend that's exactly a 12-step system ultimately yeah so yeah. therefore this is this is in my book and i give you heaps of action plans but more importantly that's only the start sobriety yeah. is is a huge thing but when you actually look at the whole path of healing, my goodness, it, the, the sobriety is, yeah. is, is the little, little tiny first step in a huge hundred mile race. Yes, and, yeah. But, so therefore, in my book, I've then put heaps of action plans and, and heaps of chapters in there for those kind of things that are very likely to that you face that will maybe derail you in your yep. attempts to get better. Yeah. You know, and it is a life. It is a Sorry. lifelong journey. It's that oh, journey that whether whether you are are 
uh, dealing with sobriety or anything, it's still a lifelong journey. It's never, it's just like when I've lost some loved ones and people have told me, well, you're looking to just check off the grieving off your box. It doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. It's not like, Oh, I, I grieved that's done. You know, I'm sober. We're done. Um, it's a, exactly. it's a lifelong journey. So thank exactly. you so much for sharing your story and just being really open and vulnerable with the listeners. I know that many people out there are struggling with many, many things and just knowing that there's hope and light at the end of the tunnel. Now, if somebody wanted to find you, you have a podcast and a book, how could they best find you? Um, go to mystepsthesobriety.com. That is my website. And from there, you find links to everything, all the projects I'm working on, all the beautiful the beautiful people I bring onto my show. Um, I'm, I'm, my goal is to be the light in the darkness of others. Because I know how black my own darkness was. Mm -hmm. And with hindsight, my depression, my anxiety, my PTSD, and my addiction, they all lied to me. Mm -hmm. They all told me that there is no hope, there's no help. And that's bullshit. Okay. Mm -hmm. The reality is there is very much help out there. Uh, you just can't see it yet. Yeah. And if there's one thing that that I want to leave you with. It's the the fact that the past does not equal the future. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can right now take action and you have already taken action, guys. You've listened to this podcast. Okay. Yeah. So that is, that is the first step of the step is done. You don't need to be worrying. Oh my God, to take the first <laughs> steps. You have done that already. So yeah. congratulations. That is a win. Now capitulate on that not capitulate is the wrong word capitalize on that yeah. uh go forward and now take the next step what yep. is the next thing you can do maybe have a glass of water or stretch yourself and really feel your body and say oh yeah that feels good so go out there live with passion live intentionally and make this world your world mm -hmm. but for that you need to know your emotions get to know them and get to know how you tick. And you can, the best thing you can do is by meet other people in your tribe. Yeah. Go out, go out there and yeah, live with passion. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much. You just have really dropped some gold today. And I know our listeners are going to be super excited not only to check out your book, your podcast, but also this cookbook. I think it might have a resurgence of sales uh, after this episode. <laughs> if you really are interested in, in the history of German of, of, of German uh, baked cheesecakes, then yes. But the reality is it's it's on my to-do list. It is I want to one day um do redo it in a proper cookbook format. And that means I have to bake more cheesecakes. Hey, oh I can that sounds that. that sounds great. Well thank you so much and bold goal crushers please remember that you can crush your goals and everything that gets in the way without working double time thank you for tuning in to the bold goal crusher podcast where we crush goals and everything that gets in the way i always love to support my community so feel free to text the word goal to 480-530-5368 Again, 480-530-5368 and the word goal. And then tell me all about your goals and dreams. Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you crush your goals this year.